Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you know, on average, heating your home makes up 82% of your energy bill? Installing a smart thermostat could save you a lot of money and be good for the planet. Honeywell Home have been making the home smarter and more comfortable for over a hundred years and their trusted smart thermostats help you get control wherever you are. And because they work with Google and Alexa, you can simply change the heating with your voice. Installing a smart thermostat doesn't have to be confusing or time consuming, so why not visit getconnected.honeywellhome.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Pocket Link podcast, sponsored by Honeywell Home with Residio, making the smart home simpler. I'm Rick Henderson and in this jam-packed episode, I'll be talking to ex-England cricketing legend Phil Tufnell about how tech improves the ICC Cricket World Cup for players and fans alike. Plus, we'll be focusing on tablet devices in our review slot and asking whether you should opt for an iPad or something else entirely. Before all that though, as Computex has been running all this week, I spoke to our very own Dan Grabham to find out all about the biggest product launches to come out of Taipei. So we're now going to talk all things Computex, and joining me is our Associate Editor of Pocket Lint, Dan Grabham. You alright Dan? Hello, you alright Rick? Yeah, all good. So Computex has been running for the last week, but what exactly is Computex? Tell us all about Computex itself, Dan. So Computex is a big uh, PC tech show that takes place in Taipei every yeah, every end of end of May beginning of June, um, and basically it's the yearly showcase for for PC tech. Um, and although laptops and desktops are launched there, predominantly it's about people like Intel, Nvidia, AMD um, talking about their big innovations for the year. Some of that stuff happens at CES in Las Vegas in January, but most of it happens here. So we've seen some big name announcements from some big name manufacturers, but one of the things that caught my eye was Intel's Project Athena. So what exactly is Project Athena, Dan? We might have seen the name, but we don't know exactly what it is. What is it? Yeah, Athena is sort of a a standard for um, thin and light laptops, essentially. Um, If you remember Intel's Ultrabook program from a few years ago, it's extremely similar to that. It's, It's almost version two, really. So it's basically a, a level playing field for, for PC manufacturers to come up with um, notebooks that have great battery life. We're talking uh, over a day of battery life, really. They were talking about an, a, a sort of working day a couple of years ago. Now we're talking sort of a full full day, you know, 16, 20 hours, that kind of thing. It's, it's a bit of a reaction to what Qualcomm are doing with their um, Snapdragon PCs. We've seen a few Snapdragon PCs so far. Um, and they've announced their new 8CX platform as well. They actually announced it in December, but they've just talked about the first one um, coming out with Lenovo, Um, and they have sort of about 25 hours of battery life, somewhere in that that region, 20 to 25. So there's a bit of a reaction to that. Um, And basically, uh, all all these companies are moving towards a situation where laptops are going to be much more like phones and tablets, so they'll have instant startup, um, they will instantly recognize your face for logon. 
um, and they'll also have integrated uh, 4G or, or, or as is the case with the, the new Qualcomm platform, 5G. Intel also owned pretty much the other big news story coming out of Computex, and that was the launch of the Ice Lake processors. Are we likely to see those Ice Lake processors in laptops this year? Yeah, pretty soon actually. Um, so we we actually thought originally they did a they did sort of a showcase day in December um, where they talked about um, about Ice Lake and and the, the fact it was coming. Um, and uh, really, it, we were thinking it was going to be later, much later on this year. But actually, it's that it, they're going to be in in laptops very soon. Um, and we've had some announcements from HP, Intel, Asus, and others at the show. So, um, so we're expecting it in the next coming weeks. Really, what do those processors actually supply? Better performance, better speeds, better battery life. Yeah, so eight, about eighteen percent is the the number that Intel came up with for a performance increase over the previous generation. Um, really, uh, it's it, it's a, it's a more efficient manufacturing process. So we're talking ten nanometer now um, in terms of the, the 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 manufacturing process that they're based on. That isn't quite as efficient as some of the um, the phone chips we've seen, which are seven nanometer. Um, use the seven nanometer manufacturing process, but that that's a bit incomparable anyway because they're quite different beasts. Essentially, they'll be faster, and uh, the the graphics power that is part of the part of the whole package is is much better as well. As well as technologies, there are also an awful lot of laptops that are launched at Computex. Have any particularly stood out to you yet, Dan? Um, I think the. One of our one of our favourite laptops is the Dell XPS thirteen, and there's a new version of that. We saw the the the, the new version of the standard Dell XPS thirteen at CES, and now we've got the XPS thirteen two in one, which basically has a completely different um, design and is a complete three sixty degree um, folding folding design for sort of a two in one device as such, a laptop come tablet. Um, so that that that's. That was quite a big thing because that's a you know it's a major major new release. Um, also, HP had some had some uh, interesting stuff. Um, there was uh, the Elite X two G four, which again you can detach the screen and it's a it's a tablet. Um, there was also some HP Envy laptops which had wood paneling as well, which were quite interesting. Um, so just you know we see we're seeing a lot more innovation, but sort of it is quite iterative. But there are um, you know, some interesting things to talk about. Is that just a gimmick, though, putting teak panel in on the bottom of your laptop? We've seen it before. Um, I believe Acer had a bamboo laptop um, a few years ago. And, um, the, you know, it's, it's, it is quite an interesting, um, interesting idea, really. Um, I think it, it really depends on whether you want a device that really is going to stand out from the crowd or whether you just want, to, want another Ultrabook that uh, is, is, just looks the same as the others, really. Talking about devices that really stand out from the crowd, there's the Asus ZenBook Pro Duo. I think we've got that the right way round. Um, do we really need a 4K 14-inch extra screen at the bottom of our keyboard to do extra things with and, and utilise accessories? Uh, no, we don't. Um, it's a bit of a nuts, um, a bit of a nuts one that one. So um, Intel have got a concept called Honeycomb Glacier that basically is is a, a prototype as such for dual screen laptops. So yes, you'd have your main screen still and you'd have a screen above the keyboard, which is pretty much like a bigger version of Apple's uh, touch bar. Um, the 
the interesting thing about it is that uh, the, the the both of those screens could bend upwards, so you could have sort of a a two tier uh, foldable screen almost. Um, the ASUS version is doesn't have the, the the second foldable screen, but it does have that sort of big display above the keyboard. The compromise, of course, is that the actual chassis of the notebook has to be a lot bigger so that it can actually fit all this stuff in. Um, and I'm not sure really that we want our notebooks to be bigger. So I think it is a bit of a gimmick. Um, Intel, we're talking about it in terms of gamers. So you'd have, a say, a level map on the second screen. But I don't know whether that's really necessary. I think the last thing to talk about, um, Computex, all well and good, but are there is there really a market still for laptops are laptops still a big deal i think we still do all need laptops i think that's the key thing i mean we've talked a lot about you know the ipad pro and other tablet devices um being productivity tools and that they are um but in terms of in terms of out and out power you know laptops are still where where it's at for for gaming and for 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 productivity such as video video editing that kind of thing photo editing um so i think there's definitely still a place for place for laptops in the market obviously um you know the 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 market is changing all the time you know we're we're trying to be people are trying to push us towards sort of two-in-one devices that have detachable screens and obviously we've seen some of those in particular with the microsoft surface lineup um you know some of those have been, been quite popular um, so I think we will see more innovation in terms of the, the sort of form factors of these designs. But um, I think the real innovation is around the, the, the thousand pound mark and really and what, what, what we'll get, what will be the next generation MacBook Air and the next generation Surface, um, uh, Surface Book 2 and th- those kinds of devices, really. Still to come, Pocket Link looks at the multiple different tablet device options available to buy today, so stay tuned for that. But before that, I recently visited Beddington Cricket Club in the heart of Surrey to talk to ex-England cricketer, questioner sport captain and Nissan spokesperson Phil Tufnell about the technological advancements in cricket and, specifically, how they can improve the Cricket World Cup both on and off the field. We also chatted about Nissan's help in providing Beddington a complete solar panel and X-storage battery solution and how energy savings could translate to better facilities in the future. Enjoy. So Phil, mainly want to talk about uh, yeah. technology in cricket and the yes. way, it's in, it, uh, way it's enhanced cricket. DRS mainly. Yeah. Uh, I do. Being a spin bowler, I'd have had thousands more. <laughs> Uh, believe me so um, yeah I think uh, technology in cricket is great I think it not only uh, enables the right result or outcome of an appeal LBW caught behind and things like that originally it was put in to, to get rid of the howler you know what I mean yeah. someone didn't nick it and he was given out you know what I mean and, and that can affect people's careers you know so I think that um, technology in cricket is great and also I think it, it actually enhances the watching experience yeah. you know you know when you see the old let's have a look you know there is that tension and you know you look up and it is he out <laughs> you know what I mean so I think it's also an enhancement for people who are there at the game and watching the telly and also gets the right results so it can't be any better than that really and do you think that uh, therefore that the sport has kind of attracted a new audience who may may be more stats based like for example, American sports are very stats-based. Yes. 
and yeah. when I started first watching cricket, yeah. you didn't. It was all about the commentary. Yes. It wasn't so much about sure. the physical stats. Well, yeah. I mean, well, cricket has always been a bit of a stats game. You know, yeah. people and kids score. You know what I mean? You got batsmen's averages. You know, run rates, strike rates. It's always been a little bit like that. Uh, and so I think that only enhances it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's all people have always like enjoyed how many he averages, how many. What does he do? What does he do when he goes away to Australia? What's his average? So I think that um, really it's always been a little bit stats based. Do you think it's actually also all the all the decision making is essential for the cricket World Cup coming up? Yes, I think it is definitely. I think it just a enhances the game, but b once again you've got the cricket World Cup, you've got the best players in the world, and they want to. The umpires do a, listen. The umpires do a really, really good job, yeah. but they are human. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. And uh, I'm afraid occasionally we make mistakes. And so I think that that backup gives them confidence as well when they're out there because things are happening crikey at a million miles an hour. You know, boys are bowling 95 miles an hour nowadays. The fielding's so quick that sometimes you just can't keep pace with it all, especially run outs and things. You know, yeah. in a flash the ball's gone and did he get over the line? Did he not? Now you can just do the old screen and you can get the decision. Does cricket lend itself well for that sort of thing as well? In say comparison to football, where yeah. cricket cricket has beginnings and endings quite often. Yes, yeah, yes, agreed. But then also, it's a bit of a it's a it's a kind of a line sport, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there is a crease line. Did the you know very basically did the bat get across the crease? You know, yeah. Let's have a look. Let's slow it down. No, it didn't. You're out. Simple as that. You know, if you're stumping, is it a close stumping? You know, I can't really see. If there's an umpire there. Let's have a look. Let's get the technology. Let's zoom it in. Yes, you're out, mate. It's as simple as that. So there's no questions there. Did the you know snickometers and all these kind of things? Same with the LBW rule as well. You know they've got the uh, the the the, uh, the the stump map sort of thing. Did it pitch outside leg stump? You know they've got the red, 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 red. You're out. You know what I mean. And so I think cricket lends itself to technology very much. Yeah. Do you also think that um, the broadcast mediums, like as resolutions of the TV get greater and greater, yeah. that the sport is enhanced as a viewer spectacle? Well, I, I, I suppose so. The, 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 the clearer the telly and everything, and the clearer the picture that you can see what you're looking at, the better. I think it's the same with everything, isn't it? Do you yeah. think also that, say, for example, mobile phones have improved? Because yes. in the fact that they can now... You can watch cricket anyway. Yes, you can. Yeah, I mean, and on the apps and things and what have you, you can be sitting on the train watching it and getting little wicket. I think there's some wicket, you know, the BBC have got apps as well that if yeah. a wicket falls, it sort of pings in your pocket, or if you score a goal, it pings in your pocket, and you can then go download it and see it all happen. I think that the accessibility of it is, uh, you know, greatly enhanced for people who are busy and necessarily can't get to games, can't take time off to sit in front of the telly on a Saturday afternoon or something or other, they can keep up with all their, you know, their local teams, their local heroes and all that kind of stuff. Um, in the respect of well, why we're here today at Bennington yes. Cricket Club, yeah. um, obviously they're embracing a form of technology right now. Do you yes, think cricket sure. clubs can really, uh, sort of local cricket clubs, can enhance their, enhance their, um, the, the way they survive as a local cricket survive club, which is correct. hardest thing, by installing, by installing technology within, their, well, within the way they work. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I mean, you know, it costs money to run a cricket club, it's as simple yeah. as that. And, you know, you see all the kids here today, it's part of the community, the kids come down. This um, device, you know, this X storage, I think it is, or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. which means um, that they can save money on, you know, the basics of, you know, lighting and what have you, and, and energy, and that's all stored. Which means that then they can, you know, get coaches to get the kids, or you know, 
buy more bats, buy more pads, buy more training facilities, uh, and everything like that. So that can just only be a good thing. If you're saving money and then putting it back into the community and putting it back into cricket for the kids that are coming up so they can you know, be coached better and have better facilities to play, it's a win-win situation. You know? If there was one gadget, one piece of technology that you would have liked to have had during your playing days... DRS. Yeah. DRS. DRS. Then I would have probably... As I said, I would have had thousands more because they just never used to give him. They never used to give me them. He used to come forward and the umpire used to go, no, that's not out, Phil, you know what I mean? And I would have gone, well, hold on a minute, let's, I think that is out, I think that's pitched on, and I think it's turned a little bit, and that's not hit him outside the leg stump, it's not outside the line, I think that's it in middle stump, mate, because atti- umpire's attitudes have changed slightly yeah. to finger spin bowling. So, um, yeah, I would, have had, I would have had a few more in my locker, put it that way. Yeah, so I would have liked that. Excellent, Phil. Thank you very much. No, pleasure. Great Yes, and if we we could just do that, there's a sweep the nation which uh, Nissan are doing as well. Yeah. Which is a hashtag. that um, it's like the what is it an, an algorithm yeah. isn't it yes to, for people to um, uh, sort of like uh, tweet in of saying how excited they are getting about England's chances and the World Cup coming up if you do that you have the opportunity to win tickets as well oh so fantastic if you could you get can't, that, in, that is superb that yeah. is absolutely superb because they are like empty yeah exactly <laughs> alright thank you very much pleasure Joel. nice Brilliant. one cheers mate thank you Now on to our reviews. A couple of the other Pocket Team members and I met up in an admittedly echoey room in London to talk about tablet devices. Are they still relevant? Does anyone make them apart from Apple these days? And which should you buy for your budget? Hopefully it will help you make your next big gadget purchase. For our review slot today, we're now talking about tablets, iPad Pros, iPads, Amazon Fire tablets, that sort of thing. And with me are Stuart Mars, founder of PocketLin. Hello. And Cameron Bunton, contributing editor of PocketLin. Hello. Right, Stu, you're our grand expert on tablets and that kind of thing. The iPad, the iPad Pro, there are lots of different types and they're all different price points. Um, is the iPad the only option available? No, although a lot of people you'll say, I need to get an iPad, and then that generally means a tablet in you know the whole industry. I, Apple is only one side. They are the popular choice, but there are Android-flavored tablets, and there are also tablets from Amazon which run on the Android system, but uh, run their own kind of variant of Android as well. So there's lots of choices. So sort of at the very tail end, you know, the bottom end of the market, the cheap sort of things you can give to kids, you can get an Amazon Fire tablet, and then you can sort of move into some Samsung, some Huawei's, things like that. And then you can then move on to the iPad, the iPad mini, iPad, and then obviously at the top of the end, you've got iPad Pro, uh, which is the all singing or dancing kind of laptop replacement. And then even after that, you could start arguing that it's the sort of Microsoft Surface uh, and those kind of two-in-one laptop kind of devices from, from other manufacturers as well. I mean, that's the thing that I want to know more than anything is that if you're a family looking for a tablet, is there a specific type of tablet that you should be looking for in, say, comparison to a more expensive worker's kind of tablet? I think if you've got sort of like a, you've got some money to spend, you're not restricted by budget, probably an iPad is a good option. There's some, you know, brilliant apps on there. There's lots of opportunities. Obviously, it's supported by, you know, you've got screen time functionality, you've got, um, You've got kind of like Netflix and all those kind of things on there. But if you're kind of are on a budget, then the Amazon range of Fire tablets are fantastic. 
Uh, their newly launched uh, updated Fire Tablet 7, I think Fire HD 7 or whatever it's called, is uh, £50. Uh, you can normally get a bundle pack for like, you know, buy five for 200 quid or something along those lines. Uh, and they also do a kids version, which comes with a number of uh, kids sort of system controls and sort of access to apps and things like that and a bit more robust so you know you can throw them around and not worry about crack screens and all those things people talk about um uh, the utilities on tablets quite a lot uh, and specifically buying a tablet they can they see as somewhat a laptop replacement but can that same tablet therefore be used by anyone in the family to just for entertainment and that kind of thing I think you can. It's Apple don't necessarily do this in a great way. There is a sense that it's one user per tablet. Uh, it's not. We haven't got to that level yet where it's multi-user, which I think a lot of people are starting to want. Um, and you get that on their laptops and stuff. So it would be really nice for me to be able to say, right, I'm going to use this for work and for doing emails and stuff, and then be able to give that to uh, to them. There are some apps that allow you to lock it in. So I think Sky, for example, does a kids tv app where you can lock it in there uh, android is a lot more open to that sort of sense of multi-users and and logging it in cam's looking at me very knowledgeable <laughs> here all of a sudden he's been quite quiet so far cam you i'm pending a question actually i was thinking more about the, um, the ipad pro and it's funny how you see apple marketing it as sort of a beyond computer kind of device can you see that being the case or being realistically the case for people wanting to move away from laptops is there anything it can't do? Are there any restrictions in terms of using an iPad versus using a laptop? Could it be your everything computer? I, I don't think it's... An iPad Pro is very good for certain things. I Whenever I come into town, I have an iPad Pro. Whenever I come into town, I try and bring the iPad Pro in to use that because it's got 4G connectivity, it's, it's keyboard, you know, it, it's got most of the apps I need. But there are certain things that it doesn't replace on a desktop. It's very much an, a mobile operating system on a bigger device and a bigger screen first rather than a desktop operating system to take with you. Sure. So there are some things that you could do. That, that said, you know, I've, I've run the business on it for uh, a week at a time, whatever. I take it on holiday and you kind of, you know, do emails, write stories, whatever. Um, if you want to do certain things, you can't. Um, you know, a video editing, you can do on the iPad Pro, but it's not as easy as doing it on a desktop sure. or, or other things like that. So I think it's it kind of comes down to what you want. If you are someone that is just trying to, you know, surf the web, watches Netflix or, you know, Now TV or what have you, plays a few games and kind of writes some stuff, but doesn't really do anything that pushes the boundaries of what you'd expect a desktop or laptop to do, then I think an iPad, uh, certainly it would be a very good replacement for you. And there are elements where you'd think, oh, okay, this takes a little bit longer, but I can still get through it. And that will change over time. Um, but I think if you are someone that still does a lot of you know, Excel spreadsheets, you do video editing, or you're doing things that you know require a lot of heavy lifting, then I think a laptop is still number one option. Right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, you have three options. Um, people want to go out and buy a tablet, but they've got not much money, middle amount of money, and they have all the money in the world. What are the three options that you would recommend? Okay, so if you've got not a lot of money and you basically just want the kids to be quiet in a car over the summer holidays, uh, Amazon Fire tablets are so so great. They are cheap, easy. Um, you know, there's some great apps. That, all the apps that you need are there, um, and really it just allows them. You know, fifty pounds each for the seven-inch model. Um, or you can buy them in a multi-pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. £50 each for, a seven pound for the 7-inch model. You know, it's almost... I know this sounds 
very first world problems to say if they break them or lose them it's only 50 quid it's not the end of the world um, middle of the range the new iPad uh, it's just called iPad uh, is very good uh, and now it comes with pencil support it will give you most of the things and unless you and you can buy keyboards to, to be able to write on them if you want to craft your next opus or whatever um, but ultimately that is a very good 9.7 inch, uh, you know, machine that will do most things. Like whether it's watching your favourite, you know, episodes of Netflix or what have you, or just surfing the web on the sofa, you know, that works. If you want to try and push it to the next level, you're trying to do image editing, you're trying to, you know, do a lot of working, you want that sort of 4G connectivity, all those kind of things. Then an iPad Pro for me is still a, a great offer, and it does it does deliver a bit more sort of. Um, portability over a laptop. As I say, coming to London, I much prefer to bring my iPad Pro than my laptop. Um, Windows, last last word. Um, obviously, there's Microsoft Surface equivalents of the iPad Pro, but they use Windows. Is Windows a good tablet operating system, or would you say it, it's better for desktop? I think it's Windows is one of those things where the Surface, you see a lot of them around, and they're a great machine. I think they've certainly grown, the design has grown, the capabilities have grown over the years since when they first came out. And I think if you are one of those guys or girls that are buried in spreadsheets and you know you need that functionality of a desktop on the go, then, yeah, you do get that sort of next level of of. of productivity so to speak i think there is a you don't necessarily get the same quality of apps because it is a desktop experience uh, on the surface but it's you so therefore you you have to weigh up what you want if you if you're just you know when i say when i come to town i use the ipad pro it's very much about uh, you know i'm using slack to communicate with you guys I'm, I'm writing some stories i'm surfing the internet that's kind of the things that i need i'm not doing the company accounts on spreadsheets and all the other stuff so if you find yourself on your road warrior or whatever and you need to uh, be doing Excel spreadsheets and things like that, then yeah, although you can get all that on the iPad, I still think probably a desktop is the better option. That's the end of this week's show. New episodes of the Pocket Lint podcast will be available each Friday, bringing you the latest news, reviews and an exclusive interview with someone talking tech in each informative instalment. We'd also love to hear your feedback and comments about this episode and the podcast in general. Plus, we also publish a daily newsletter, which you can opt to have sent to your email inbox. Find out more information on our website at pocket-lint.com. So, until the next edition, have a great week and we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. I've been Rick Henderson. Tatty bye! When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.